Madame et Monsieur, écoutez bien. Welcome to Fashion Mode with Charles McDonald, brought to you in association with Force Magazine on World Radio Paris. Bonjour and welcome to Fashion Mode. This is the primetime fashion show for World Radio Paris, which is brought to you in association with Force Magazine. I'm Charles Daniel MacDonald, and I'll be hosting the show exclusively for World Radio Paris. Right now, the world is in the midst of a global crisis. The coronavirus, or COVID-19, is an airborne virus which can have fatal consequences on a person's health and respiratory system. With every aspect of commerce and industry affected, I take a look at the effect the virus has had on the business of fashion and the fashion industry since it spread earlier this year. Imagine, if you will, a view of San Leighton Village, a luxurious shopping area usually full of people and it's nearly empty due to the widespread coronavirus which is sweeping across the country in China, especially Beijing. This first started place on the February the 1st, 2020. On any given average day at our biggest flagship in China, which is Beijing, we typically see between 600 to 800 people walk through the door, of whom 90 to 120 will make a purchase. Last week, the most we had in one day was five. Five people buying? No, five people coming into the store. Quotes from the management give an indication that this is a snapshot precise and very much of the record of the state of the luxury retail industry right now. This is amongst the growing coronavirus which is grounded in China and has since went pandemic affecting fashion centres such as London, Paris, New York and Milan. The condition in China, as delivered by a senior executive at one of Europe's largest luxury houses, made the comment that the house's near-empty stores, as well as the near-empty or closed stores of luxury houses across the regions, are a symptom of a much more urgent and significant problem. Since the eventual identification of the 2019 NCOV virus on January the 7th in the Chinese port city of Wuhan, more than 20,000 people have tested positive with the flu-like infection of whom 427 have died, numbers that equate to a fatality rate of 2%. In this contrast, the travails of the fashion and luxury industry are beyond trivial. Nothing. However, those who do happen to look through the world of fashion via rose-tinted Instagram filters will find this terrible and frightening health crisis is illustrating just how reliant upon and exposed to China, the industry has become. Back in 2000, the Chinese market was a tiny swather of the total global trade, representing only around 2%. But now, it's the most profitable territory there is. According to Bain & Company study, 35% of all luxury goods such as fashion, watches and jewellery back in 2019 were either conducted in China are made by Chinese nationals travelling abroad. That's only 2% less than the US and Europe average combined. 
This is why so many brands have adopted a troublingly passive stance to the Chinese crackdown on Hong Kong's popular pro-democracy demonstrations back in 2019. However, the coronavirus represents a much greater and entirely impossible threat to China's lucrative segment of global luxury. And already we know that the upcoming fashion weeks in New York, London, Milan and Paris may again be missing many, if not of China's typically significant buyers, editorials and influencers due to travel restrictions on their representation. I recently heard last week that Milan's Camera Nazione della Moda Italiana will host live streams for the next upcoming shows for those who are unavailable to attend in person. International luxury houses, especially those with a disproportionate alliance on Chinese sales and those which are at least part in publicity held, are meanwhile on tenterhooks as the footprint of the crisis increases on a daily rate. Speaking last week, the LVMH chairman and CEO, Bernard Arnau, said of the epidemic, if it's resolved within the next two, two and a half months, it wouldn't be so terrible. If it lasts for two years, that's another story. Although to its credit, albeit on its own self-interest, the luxury sector is trying to be a part of the solution. LVMH has already donated $2.3 billion to the Chinese Red Cross Foundation and pledged to source medical supplies for China. Similarly, Kering, L'Oreal and several other fashion groups have made significant contributions to relief organisations, while others are working to fund the global effort to develop an effective inoculation to the coronavirus within the tightest timescale possible. Metterin's famous 19th century observation that when Paris sneezes, Europe catches a cold was a reference to the spread of the popular democratic revolution. Today, his metaphor applies with troubling accuracy to the health of the Chinese people and many aspects of the wider world. Economy included. And yet, our friend economy isn't a minor side effect compared to the much more vital human factor at play here. It's only when it's threatened do we really appreciate that our health is the most valuable luxury of them all. The fashion industry is joining in the fight against coronavirus. The number of fashion designers, brands and influential figures who are making donations to help combat the COVID-19 outbreak, which is continuing its global spread to more than 100 countries, with roughly 121,000 cases and 4,366 deaths as of the start of March. As the virus continues to impact the fashion industry, and caused the cancellations and postponement of a number of major events, including SXSW and Coachella. The likes of Giorgio Armani and influencer Chiara Faracini and Gucci chief executive Marco Bizzari, amongst others, are making a global effect to stop the virus's spread. Here's a list of some of the fashion designers and influential figures that are making donations to currently help control and combat the COVID-19 virus. Bulgari made a donation to the Instituto Lazaro Spalagni in Rome on February the 6th, aiding its research department in purchasing a microscopic image acquisition system that will help to advance the Institute's ability in preventing and treating the COVID-19 virus. 
the machines thought to be valued at around €100,000. Powerhouse fashion influencer Chiara Farajni revealed on March that she and her husband Fedez are making a personal donation of €100,000 to support a GoFundMe fundraiser that's creating a new hospital bed system in the intensive care areas of Milan's Safaya Marelli Hospital. Farajni revealed on Instagram on Tuesday that the GoFundMe fundraiser has amassed more than €3 million Euros in donations. Italy has the second highest number of COVID-19 cases, with more than 10,000 people affected by the virus, according to the New York Times. The country has been on lockdown since March the 9th in an effort to contain the virus, with the Italian Prime Minister Giuseppe Conte having pledged €25 billion Euros to support the country's fight of COVID-19. Giorgio Armani is making a donation of €1.25 million Euros to a range of Italian hospitals and institutions, including the Luigi Sacco and San Rafael hospitals, the Instituto de Timori in Milan and the Instituto Lazzaro Spalagni in Rome. Luxury group Caring has donated €2 million Euros to the healthcare organisations in Italy's Lombardy district, Veneto, Tuscany and Lazio regions in order to combat the virus. Kering had initially made a donation of $1.8 million to the Hubei Red Cross Foundation on behalf of its 13 fashion brands back in late January. LVMH Loi Hennessy Louis Vuitton Group, the luxury conglomerate, pledged 16 million rimbini, or roughly $2.3 million, to the Chinese Red Cross Foundation to help with the shortage of medical supplies in Wuhan City, where the COVID-19 virus originally outbroke. Gucci chief executive Marco Bizzari is making a personal donation of €100,000 to a range of hospitals in Etis Emilia, Romagna region. Bizzari's donation comes after the design house announced on the 2nd of March that it would be cancelling its cruise 2021 fashion show, which was scheduled for May the 18th in San Francisco. And finally, Italian fashion house Versace donated 1 million rembini, or roughly $143,000, back in late February to the Chinese Red Cross Foundation to help with the shortage of medical supplies in the country. It is indeed a curious time to be a luxury brand, but as the world tries to navigate the realities of dealing with COVID-19, there is something that feels slightly uncomfortable about escaping into the fantasy of fashion. But Bernard Arnault, the chairman and CEO of the LVMH Group, appears to have found the most practical way of realigning priorities. By converting the factories that ordinarily produce perfumes and cosmetics for Dior, Guerlain, and Givenchy into hubs that will manufacture hand sanitizer. 
The announcement came in a statement released on the 15th of March, stating that hand sanitizer will be distributed free of charge to French public health authorities. Through this initiative, LVMH intends to help address the risk of a lack of product in France and to enable a greater number of people to continue to take the right action to present themselves against the spread of the co-virus, the statement said. The initiative will continue for as long as necessary and the gel will be delivered free of charge to the French health authorities as a priority from this Monday to the assistance Public Hopito de Paris. It's an admirable move from France's most valuable company and the world's third richest man, particularly during a period that's likely to see the collective bottom line of the luxury market hit hard. In January, during the early days of the virus, LVMH announced a donation of 16 million renminbi, which is £1.9 million, to the Chinese Red Cross Foundation to alleviate the strain on supplies in Wuhan, where the outbreak originally occurred. Our hearts go out to all those who have been affected by this disease and to all the doctors and medical staff who have been working heroically non-stop in the past weeks in the effort to care for our loved ones. This is when we as a society need to stand up together and care for one another, said Versace. As the titans of the trend-setting industry, hopefully it will provoke action elsewhere as to the spread of coronavirus continues to accelerate in force. How many times can you wash your hands while singing happy birthday in a single day? How much hand sanitizer can you squirt in 24 hours? These are questions you never thought you would have to ask. But these are strange times, and getting stranger by the minute. If you're still out and about, not even going to a bar or a restaurant, but simply sitting six feet away from your best friend in the park, you might be wearing your rings. Perhaps you always wear them, or simply that it cheers you up to look down and see them on your fingers, twinkly steadfast companions at a time when sadness and fear threaten to envelop us. But rings and hand soaps, rings and alcohol-heavy sanitizer, are even more so unhappy bedfellows. Serious cleaners can cause precious stones to become dingy and cloudy. People have many routines for dealing with this situation, such as placing them into a cup of warm water with a blast of Windex and watching tiny specks float to the surface. But suspecting that this might not be the only, best method, we reached out to jeweller Elizabeth Doyle of Doyle & Doyle, the beautiful antique jewellery store who gave advice on what to do to keep our assets clean. As suspected, these more harsh cleaning regimes were totally eclipsed by advice. The safest way to clean your rings at home is with warm water and a mild dish soap, such as ivory. For stubborn dried and caked on soap, hand lotions, soak your rings for a while to loosen up the debris then brush your rings with a soft brush or toothbrush to make sure you get behind the stones in the mountains where the dirt and the grime can really accumulate. She went on to say that hand cleansers should not be used on any organic gems, such as coral or pearls. The alcohol in the sanitizer can dry out the gems and lead to surface damage or cracking. Hand sanitizer is also not safe on porous stones like opals or turquoise. And she added that lovers of Georgian and early Victorian pieces should also take extra special care. 
water can get into rings with closed back mountings and affect the appearance of these stones. Also, locket rings or any ring which has a photo of someone or another decoration under glass should never be washed with water. But of course, sometimes the simplest advice is the best. When in doubt, always take your rings off before washing your hands. And one last thing, don't kill your darlings. If you're resting with your rings on the sink while you scrub, please make sure the drain is closed or you may never see them again. And finally, if you're a small business which has been seriously affected by the coronavirus outbreak, here are some crisis management tips to help you get back on your feet. These are difficult times and changing times for everyone. Anxiety about worsening coronavirus cases is spreading around the world as fast as the disease. The number of cancelled conventions, fashion shows, meetings and trade shows is growing by the hour. As our concerns about the future of the global trillion-dollar events and fashion industry and its members. Companies and organisations are grappling with lost business, layoffs, obsolete marketing plans and depleted sales. Warwick Davis, the principal of the event mechanic, said event planners are the first responders of the meeting industry. They run towards danger when others run away from it. Ironically, the Chinese word for crisis is a combination of the two characters that mean danger and opportunity, which are what business owners and event planners are being reminded of thanks to a steady stream of newspaper headlines and breaking news banners on news channels. But instead of being fearful, this is the time to focus on what can be done to survive the crisis and bounce back when it ends. These are the key roles that you should take to cope with your small business within the crisis. Don't add to the panic. Avoid saying or doing anything that can make matters worse for you, your company or your clients. Keep calm and carry on is particularly apt. So as Winston Churchill's advice that when you're going through hell, keep walking. Stop any financial bleeding and ask your bank or financial institution to extend current lines of credit and seek other loans from small business administrations or institutions. Offer new services. This is an opportune time to expand your services and expertise that can make you even more valuable to clients and help to attract new customers. Remember, they might be having an even tougher time right now than you are, and they probably appreciate any lifeline that you can throw their way, like bringing them new sponsors for future events, to replace the ones they've lost. Reinvent your clients' meetings. Find ways to use existing technology to substitute in-person events with virtual ones. Widespread use of the technology, which has been around for years, might become the new normal, at least for now. The expertise of companies who specialise in this field will likely be in very high demand. 
Look for new partners. Identify the expertise and services that you lack. Then link up with the very best consultants, independent contractors and vendors who can help you be indispensable. Your new partners could include copywriters, editors, graphic designers, printers, the list goes on and on. Be creative. There might be opportunities to help events continue in some capacity. For example, a client might want to co-locate an event in the future and you could help them make that happen. Negotiating on behalf of your client to incorporate their event into another can be a complex process, but it secures income for both the event planner and the client. Berry said it might be possible to retain some income from clients and producing or providing event-related activities, products or services. These could range from receptions, workshops, event apps or videos. While the income won't be the same for the planner or the client as producing the event, at least there won't be a total loss. After you've started or completed these steps, it's now time to get ready for the next crisis. That's because there will, in business, always be another crisis. Here's how to predict for the next emergency with 10 clear goals. Risk. Identify the meeting-related triggers that would cause a new crisis for you and your clients. Reduce. Take the steps that are necessary and prudent to lessen those risks. Ready. Have a crisis management plan in place and ready to implement when needed. Redundancies. Have a backup and contingency plan if required. Research. Get all the information you can about the crisis, including details about what happened, what is happening, or what might happen. Rehearse. Test your plan on a regular basis, at least once a year. React. Know what will trigger your crisis plan and who has the authority to activate it. Reach out. Immediately communicate with those who are affected by or concerned about the crisis. Recover. You know how you'll bounce back from the crisis. And remember. Keep in mind that you went through before and the experiences of your colleagues and other meeting in the industry. What can you do to repeat their successes and avoid their mistakes as you take the next step forward to growing your business back up again? I hope you can join me for the next Fashion Mode show where I'll be looking at the niche boutiques that you need to know in Paris. A special style file on the best shops, ateliers and vintage boutiques for both men and women in the capital. With more details and features to follow, you can catch up with all the fashion news on forcmagazine.com and at FORC Magazine on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. You can also keep up to date with the latest shows directly from Mixcloud, Podbean and our official profiles on Spotify's and iTunes under Force Magazine. Until the next time, keep your fashion mode on.